Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Today, we'll be speaking to Shannon Curry and Phil Billingham of Perceptive Planning and David Crozier of Navigator Financial Planning. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast where we talk to people who matter about things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Rebecca Tomes and I'm the junior editor at IFA Magazine. And joining me on the podcast today is my co-host and IFA Magazine editor, Sue Whitbread. And hello, it's Sue here. And today we're welcoming three very well-known financial planners to the podcast, all of whom can I describe as leading lights in the profession over the years. And I'm really pleased to say are all old acquaintances of mine. And it's a big welcome to Shannon Curry and Phil Billingham of Perceptive Planning and to David Crozier of Navigator Financial Planning. David, Shannon, Phil, welcome. Lovely to have you all on the podcast. Good to see you. Good to be here. So a little bit of background for you then. We've, we've invited them onto the IFA Talk following a news alert that Phil sent to Bex and I last month, and it really grabbed our attention. It was, the title of it was Financial Planners Unite to Support Ukrainian Refugees. Just getting straight into it then. So Phil, David, Shannon, for those of our listeners who don't know, do you think you could tell us a bit about yourselves, what inspired you to come together and help Ukrainian refugees? Um, we're financial planners, and I think that that's as much as people need to know for this. It is, it's, not about <laughs> that, it's, about the, it's, it's about the refugees. Um, I, if I kick off slightly, I'll try not to talk too much, David. But <clears throat> I think um, our, our experience was no different than everybody else's. The shock of waking up to war, um, the the sheer frustration of, of it happening and not, not really knowing what to do about it. This is unique in our lifetimes. Um, and I, um, the conversations we were having with a number of people was, and, and everybody was giving money and there was a lot of trying to do. And, it, and our local school raised stuff and then realized that they couldn't get stuff there. And, and I, we sat down just within a week of the turn of the war starting and um, realized that we couldn't, we're not soldiers, we're not medics, but what we could do is drive. And, and, and so we, we literally did that. We hired a van, got an export license, because that's what you had to do, because you can get the stuff out, um, and, and just collected stuff. Um, um, we, we particularly couldn't get our heads around the scale of it and what we knew was going on in Poland, the millions of people, the numbers were too big. Mm-hmm. So we, we you know, we're talking, we eventually got our heads around if we could help 20 families and we, we, we go to a scale we could deal with. So that allowed us then to get our brains around focusing on sleeping bags and head torches so that kids could have torches, but with their hands were full because these people were leaving with the clothes on their back and what they could carry. And people were amazing. We were overwhelmed. Um, we, we were given more stuff than we could possibly take. We hired the biggest, in fact, we, we were pretty much given the pretty much the biggest van we could get, allowed legally allowed to drive and licenses, um, <laughs> and, and packed every cubic foot of it. And clients came and helped us pack and staff and other financial planners and, and just everybody we touched was 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 
tab and David will talk more about that experience because I know David was overwhelmed as well we'll talk about that uh, and we just drove because that's what we could do we did we had no other superpower except to get in the van and drive yeah and and uh, what by the time I went it was it well I was probably not probably definitely inspired by what Phil and Shannon were doing I saw I mean I, I know Phil really well I follow him on social media and um, I thought, right, okay, um, I, I think I think this is something I, I could do. And, and being inspired by Phil to say, well, actually, we can make a bit of a difference here. Um, and at the same time, a very good friend of mine, Stephen Gallagher, who's who's not a financial planner, uh, but nonetheless a good Christian friend of mine, he says, look, David, we, we can't sit here and do nothing. So mm. uh, he he again he was loaned a van, um, and he we were it was filled with stuff donated and we could have filled it twice over uh, in point of fact there, there, by the time we were going which was kind of early april things had moved on a bit and, and we were able to be a bit more um strategic about it um and we we were so yes sleeping bags but it was more children's nappies and, and things like that and there's one other particular item which i'll come to at the end under the how was it affected that that really was a gut punch for me but um we there, there is in fact a, a, at that time that there is now a, a, another um, organization taking a, a truckload of stuff right into Ukraine from Belfast every week so we were actually able to double the size of our van and give the stuff to them so it didn't go to waste. Um, I'm, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to leave a little foot in here um, um, that's nothing to do with this but it is relevant so uh, Phil and the channel talked about an export license. Stephen and I took our Passports. We drove through six countries: uh, the UK, Northern Ireland, um, uh, Ireland, France, Belgium, Germany, and Poland. We mm -hmm. showed our passports to get on and off the boat. End of discussion. Thank you very much, Brexit. Um, so, but you know, it just made <laughs> well, it Let's much. not get us started on that. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I did say it was leaving a, leaving uh. a foot in. Uh, but so, so what, we we were there by that time. The thing had developed a bit. Uh, my, my son and his wife uh, were able to put us in contact with a, a, a Slavic mission in Europe, who's who, who said, "Look, here's our website. Here's what we need today. Bring it, and and we'll do it." And we'll talk about what happened when we got there because it was absolutely amazing. Uh, but it was just that we'll take the baton and. and Phil talks about well, what can you do and there was an analogy that so Phil is a big rugby guy I, I like rugby and Stephen's a big rugby, rugby guy and there's an analogy that appealed to me which was when somebody hits a ruck they don't they don't really move it but it's the five guys that come in behind them and move the thing forward and that's what happened with us and people really really got behind us I mean we raised a significant amount of money as well as um being able to go um and, and we're now uh, we're going to apply some of that we're going to talk about what we're going to do with some of that or mm -hmm. have been and are going to do with some of that money uh, very, very shortly indeed so uh that trip you you ordered to poland earlier in the year then uh, what was the situation like over there when you got there well we were we were there two weeks in yeah within 10 days yeah and it was it was people just reacting that it was the kindness of of, of the people in Cheshire, uh, they hadn't got themselves organized at that point. So it was literally the county council had put up or the council had put up a list of the things they needed. It was a, a warehouse, which was an old basketball or volleyball court. And they were literally just, people were showing up and 
yeah. giving them as much as they could. Wow. There were people driving from Italy every single day, turning up every single day, literally just turning around in, in just ordinary SUVs, just turning around, bringing stuff, and then taking, oh, refugees, and back, taking the refugees, refugees back, refugees back with them. Yeah. Um, and at that point, we were able to pull up straight in the city centre outside of the the centre. But by the time actually our, our taxi driver in the village red went a few weeks after us in about April, about the same time as David. But then there were organisational tents and fields just outside of the city centre where they were uh, uh, using distribution centres, and and that none of that existed. In fact, we turned up at the distribution at the main city centre, and we were asked to go shopping and then take uh, uh, waters, baby-sized, kid-sized waters, mm -hmm. not the big litres, because the kids can only carry the little 300ml bottles and go and buy those. And baby and food. baby foods. And, uh, overnight, they'd had the first bomb in the real world. Across the border. Across the border. So they had all the refugees. Literally, there was just this massive surge when we yeah. arrived. Wow. And we stayed, and that morning when we woke up, it was snowing, yeah, and these people were walking yeah. um, with yeah. their kids, with what they had in their hands. It was quite an impressive thing. It was, it was tough. So we got straight. We got we got actually into the station um, that you've seen on all the news. Um, they, the, the, the refugees were very protected. Uh, the, yeah, and the then, Polish but, were fantastic. But, but then we got we got the hell out of Dodge because because we were just taking up space. <laughs> But we met a guy who turned up a week before that because he'd seen what was happening on the border and he turned up in a car within a week and he was just driving people, minibus, to and from the border. But by the time that we saw him, he said, well, they've just taken over and the Poles have just put on this stream of buses. So they've taken that over now. So the, the big infrastructure that really makes a difference to the masses is much more powerful than anything we can do with a van. You know, it's, it's the impact, we can't deal with a million yeah. people. We just can't do it. But it takes time for that to happen. So, so it was speed and then direction, I think, for us. But we, we, drove, we, got, we drove out of southern Poland and the border because we were just in the way there. You know, the hotel we stayed the night before was just full of media people. We were just in the way. Get, so we, we had nothing more to add, so we got out of town. But we were driving up the motorway and we're just passing bus after bus after bus of, of refugees and car after car after car of women and children, um, no men, and of Ukrainian cars, and the cars are full, not of suitcases, of stuff. I mean, of stuff. They just piled stuff in. Ran in the house, picked ran up what they picked could, up. and just yeah. threw it in the car. Yeah. And, and we've just miles of these. And I think yeah. the thing that was so overwhelming is as you're driving along, you realise that somebody's had their life turned upside down mm -hmm. and you're right next to them. And how are you still breathing? You know, how are you yeah. still coping? Um, and, and that we found quite an emotional thing yeah. to deal with. Yeah. Cool. And I hear the emotion in your voice now, Shannon. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's but okay. It's so emotional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, it, it I think... I think by the time uh, we went, they'd they'd got their their act together a bit, <clears throat> and, and that 
a lot of that the the logistics so and so we drove um so 24 hours um non-stop from Cherbourg to Krakow and um so you're going through the middle of that you're going through Germany industrial Germany and it was quiet and there's nobody about until you go over the mountains in Eastern Germany and then you could see the lines of trucks and what was happening it was lines and lines of trucks getting stuff in now what happened then when we got into uh, into Krakow so um like um like Phil um we got to train station uh, uh, but the it was to go to this this mission and the mission does three things so it, it is a temporary place to um for people to stay <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really funny so we turned up and the problem is Ukrainians don't speak English by and large mm-hmm. and we'll come to that um yeah. this their second language is Russian um mm-hmm. it, it's not English so you turn up here no idea what you're talking about um eventually we got to the guy uh, and that we needed to talk to all right yes okay so it took us a day filling that van it took them six minutes to empty it <laughs> I timed it. Wow. and then and then they said and then they said right okay um so we said what else can we do well, there's more yeah yeah so we can we can help yeah go to the supermarket and the thing is the supermarket are full of stuff which I think was less the case when you were there. They weren't running out of stuff. And in fact, they said to us, you know what? There's no shortage of stuff now because they've got the logistics together. We just need the stuff there. Um, but I, I agree with what uh, Phil and Challenger are saying there. I mean, we met people, it's a guy come up to us in, in the supermarket and is in uh, you know lapel pin and, and uh, so fatigue jacket. And he says, look, um, is that your van over there? And, and he said, yeah, he says, look, first of all, two things. You did a fantastic job. There's not many people from the UK are coming because it's so far. Uh, but mm. he says, these are the right people to work with, which is was really confirming for us. But the other thing is, was an English guy, there, a guy from Essex, again, ex-military, he and his partner had jumped in a seven and a half tonner, filled it with stuff, driven there and gave it to the mission uh, and stayed for as long as they, they, as they could, driving the stuff in and out around uh, Poland and, and into Ukraine. So people's heart, I, I think the Poles above all people have been amazing but there's been a lot of heart across europe for this yes you are listening to ifa talk ifa magazine's weekly podcast subscribe to us on spotify and apple podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available and follow us on linkedin twitter and instagram at ifa magazine so how did it feel returning to the uk and work as well after going on yeah really really emotional as you said and inspirational trip so so i i'll pick that up and, it, and we're going to answer your question slightly different for, for me there were three things three as i put it got punches and the first one was before we left and it was emma one of our financial planning analysts you know our staff had tons of us this lady drove from Derry two hours to our house with a carload of staff to put in her van and in there was a box of easter eggs and her children are like you know quite young I want to make sure that the wee Ukrainian boys and girls could have Easter eggs. And, you know, something like that, because it's a real, you know, Easter is a, is a, a really, really important festival in, yeah, in, yeah. in Eastern Europe. So that was yeah. one thing. The second thing was after we'd bought the stuff for the supermarket, uh, listen, you have a laugh at the stuff. And Stephen and I were <laughs> trundling around the supermarket, trying to speak to people that couldn't speak English, buying stuff, where's the coffee? I'm 
you're talking about this. <laughs> what I'd trundling a, a supermarket trolley over a cobbled street and fallen I mean got back over got three or four trolley loads. <laughs> and and the guy says, Alex is right, we'll, we'll put it in the van and you're going to the station. It wasn't a would you like to? It's you're doing this and Victoria is going with you. So Victoria was this wee slip of a thing. Um uh, you know, you know, blonde Ukrainian, probably late teens, early twenties. She got in the front, started talking to her. No. No. Google Translate is wonderful, by the way. So you start talking where you're from, and it was a time <laughs> I didn't recognise. Have your family back in Ukraine? And this was the second gut punch. Yeah, there's my dad, yeah. AK-47 yeah. sitting. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third one, uh, you're coming back. So mm -hmm. drove back to Cherbourg, um, and we were in Cherbourg by the Sunday morning, uh, waiting in the, in, the, in the line. And in front of us were something like Phil and Shadow were saying, some Ukrainian cars. And you've, it just struck me, you've got this picture in your head of what a refugee looks like. Uh, yes. You know, it's, it's somebody in a, in a peasant skirt or, or a, you know, yeah. a, some sort of yeah. traditional dress. First of all, like Phil said, they're all women and children, or mostly women and children. They are, last week, they didn't look like anybody different. Last week, they were pharmacists, they were doctors, mm -hmm. they were teachers, yeah. they were uh, shopkeepers. They are just people who've had their lives turned out. And these are people that have driven halfway across Europe. In fact, the whole way across Europe, probably some of them had never seen the sea before. They were going to a country they didn't want, they'd never heard of. They were going to, uh, to a language they didn't speak and they did not want to be, they did, to be there. They were, didn't know whether they were blown up or stuff. And it really, really got to me. Actually, Stenna, like Stenna were brilliant. I mean, they were taking these people back, back for free. And giving them food, and the, the, the cafe line was absolute chaos because nobody understood English. They actually had to get a Russian. I think they had to get a Russian sailor out to start translating. <laughs> anyway, that. Aww. So, but uh, but uh, so I'll let you talk in, in a second. But I think we must not miss the the rugby the, the rugby tackle the rugby scrum here because you know, our community particularly our financial planning community. And, and I want to particularly call out uh, Carl Richards, who who organized a, a, a lot of uh, aid, cash aid from the States have been amazing. This is behavior gap, is, is it? Correct, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sophia and I know Carl quite well, and, and he yeah, just yeah. said, how, how can I help out? And what if I did this? And, I, and it's not fair to, to give you the details, but let's just put it this way. He personally committed uh, so a lot of cash and his network committed a lot of cash as That's well. That's brilliant. But it, it was absolutely amazing. But but within the, our, our own uh, community in the, in the UK, um, it, we got, uh, and our own personal social um, social communities, there, there was a lot of, of, of aid uh, as well. Would you agree with that, Phil? I, I would. Um, and, and I think we, we weren't set up to deal with what came with us. We we because we did the school we 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 just said look this is what we're going to do and then people started saying well we'll give you money and they just dealt with, you know I had no way of managing that it was we weren't set up for it we're not a charity we were just this is what we're doing if anybody wants to help then great but we're going we're just doing this we put our own money into it and and we're just going and people were like and and your point about the ruck and they just wanted something to get behind and, and yeah. And, and Shan started to use the phrase from our hands to theirs, you know, um, mm. right or wrongly, there's a certain amount of, well, we've given money to this big charity, but is it going to go to where we want it to go? Whereas we could say, well, we've taken this off you, 
uh, and, and we put it in the van, we've driven it, and we've given it to people who are going to give it directly to women and children involved. And, and I think there was a power to that and a relevance to that at the time. Now, of course, you can't scale that. That's a hugely and absolutely inefficient. You can't scale it. But as a way of just helping people to do something at the time, um, and, and, and now we need to do the next phase of that. We, yes. there, are, there are people who need that. We still need the help, and, and we need we need to, we need to do something else. The aid cycle's moved on, um, and and we, we, we've got to be looking at the longer term now and, and solving longer term problems. Whereas we were trying to solve short term problems, nappies, torches, sleeping bags. Those are short term problems. Those people are now, as, as David said, there's. They're, they're dispersed throughout Europe, but still like Poland. The supermarkets are full. There's not a shortage. There are charities putting stuff in place. They're in accommodation. Um, that the, the problem that we set out to solve in March and April has, by and large, gone. Uh, we, we have to solve. We have to. We have to start addressing the next problem. Mm. So let's come right up to date now, then, Phil, with why we're really talking today, which is to try and rally more support for phase two of your campaign, Fair Play to You. Uh, and I know you've become increasingly concerned about the situation in Moldova. And could you talk to that about the, the refugees who are there who really need support? And in particular, if you could talk about involvement with the refugee support and the Dignity Centre, that would be really helpful. I was just so struck. Um, because war was declared and bullets were fired and all of a sudden we are facing a whole new world that we've never lived through on mainland Europe. And there was a concern initially about how the various countries would react to the refugees, whether they would take them in. And, and Poland immediately, yep, will take them in. And there, was, there were questions about how would Hungary react? Um, and there was Slovenia or Slovakia, and I always mix them up, I'm sorry. Slovakia. <laughs> Slovakia. And um, the other one was Moldova. And they were sort of tracing all along the Ukraine border who would be able to help and who would take refugees in or whether they would shut down their borders and be protectionist mm -hmm. about things. And within two days, I think it was, I heard a speech from the Moldovan foreign minister that just blew me away. And basically he said, we, this is a huge privilege that we can help our neighbors and we will take all the refugees that come our way. We will let them through our borders and we will do everything we can to support. But for the rest of the world, you need to know that this is a huge catastrophe for us. Yeah. We are a small country. We are not wealthy. We are one of the poorest in Europe. We're not part of Europe. We don't have all of that infrastructure set behind us. And it just wowed me that mm. in the midst of everything else, he wanted to give hospitality and kindness and love, mm. even though he perhaps couldn't, he couldn't offer it on the face of it. And, and it was just that awareness of, you know what, as we, and David's thing about seeing all these trucks coming in, we passed trucks with, great big signs and Ukraine flags in <laughs> with all the various registrations from around Europe. But Moldova was just so far away. Yeah. In um, fact, I looked up Moldova and Google Maps said to get Moldova, you had to go through Ukraine. Well, yeah, that, that, sort of <laughs> didn't, that didn't work. You know, it, it, was just, <laughs> it was just a long way. Poland was an easy trip. 
really. If I can imagine, David is the hard way, obviously. But uh, shall, 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 <laughs> trust him. Trust him. But, yeah, but, yeah, uh, but, yeah we, we, were, we just drove. We just left home. I know, it, it wasn't hard. Wasn't hard at all. Stephen and I got to learn quite a lot about each other's taste in music. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I just ended up staying. Yeah, we, we drove until we got tired, and we stayed in some gorgeous market town in, in Germany, and went and drank beer and ate German food. It was, you know, it wasn't wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, but Moldova was just. I looked at it, and I'm always up for a challenge. But I looked at it, and went, that is just so far. Mm. And it's three days to get there, three days to get back. How do you deal with that? So a couple of things then happened. One, how do we deal with that with Moldova? And we had money, uh, in, 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 in the words of the, the poet, resting in a bank account, um, <laughs> and, and, and which made me really nervous. So we've, we've traced, tracked down a charity, uh, refu uh, Refugees for Europe. They were born... Refugee support. Support and and you know and and they were born out of the Calais refugee camps, and they've got presence in um, in in, in uh, uh, Greece and and Mexico, uh, Mexico and, and the other places. They they specialise in this, and they have a particular model of dignity that people come in and shop. It's not just giving them bags of food; they can shop and select for their family within a range, and they've got a very very particular model. Um, so we looked at it, uh, British charities, we just gave them what money we had. We just gave them everything that was left because for, for that. And go in contact with, with one of the founders, had a long conversation, got more impressed with, with what they were doing. Um, and then we had some holiday coming up and uh, changed the holiday and, and said, well, instead of going you know, to where we we're going, we'll just go to Moldova. Um, so that's mm -hmm. what we did, um, just have a look. We, They've got a we said initially we'd volunteer, but as you will understand, refugees are vulnerable. So they have a very strict volunteer process. Uh, you've, got to, you've got to be assessed and, and trained yeah. and all the rest of it. You don't just rock out, which is, which is right. You know, they're, yeah, they're vulnerable people. So we, so we turned up to see what they were doing, went to spend time with them, took all the refugees, all the refugees, took all the volunteers <laughs> out, out from here uh, and, and, and just got to try to understand their story because they were from the US and, and, and Australia as well as the Russian UK. Speaking Russian, Australia. Russian speaking Australia. My yeah. goodness. Yes, it's, it's a really interesting <laughs> So, And then they introduced... I imagine, that was a, I imagine that was an interesting accent. It was. <laughs> I can't picture that at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Ukrainians did look at her with a But then... Uh, they introduced us to an organization called Moldova for Peace, which came out of the um, COVID response uh, people, because uh, they were just feeding people doing COVID and doing lockdown there. So they were a bunch of, they're, 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 they're fresh out of university, they're youngsters, um, who just started to do stuff. And, and, and the government, again, because it was speed of response, they, they got government assistance, some government assistance. Um, and and now they run five warehouses, and so the dignity centre is feeding about eleven to fifteen hundred families a week um, reg on a regular basis. Um, but the Moldova piece are, run, are feeding about five thousand families a week. Gosh. Um, and the position in Moldova is a lot of the refugees that Sharon talked about passed through. Um, 
but a lot, an awful lot have, have stayed and some have gone back because it's very close to Odessa, but of course as the war ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have still got families there. The, the, the point of David's point about photos of, of dad with a gun. Of course, it's women children there and, and, and dads in Ukraine can't leave Ukraine, but they, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they can go back and see and, and elderly and relatives. Elderly parents that can't do train trips. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's an awful lot of um, two-way traffic, if you, if you like. It's not as simple as they've left Ukraine and Moldova or they've gone to Spain or Germany. Uh, so it's not as simple as that. Uh, David's point about language is, is a, a, a very good one in that uh, uh, the second language in Moldova is Russian. Mm -hmm. um, so so they, they, they have got more exposure to, to, to be able to speak Russian there, whereas Moldovan as language is not a Slavic language, it's a Latin language. Uh, but but they, 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 they can survive in Russia and a lot of older people who, Moldova is cheap. Bus fare, uh, the, the flat fare of buses around Chisinau is four pence. You know, it's a very cheap country to operate in if you've got nothing. Um, and these people have got nothing compared to going to you know, Berlin or Paris or London, yeah. you know, which are hugely expensive places. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why people are staying in Moldova, but the people who are staying are the most vulnerable. They, they've got mm. nothing. Um, the Moldova peace people are shattered and they're trying to feed people, they're accommodating people. But what we learned very quickly was that the transport was, a, was an issue because They've got, they're hiring one car, they've got two driving licenses because they're young kids who live in the city with cheap transport who've got no money, so they haven't got cars. Um, these villages are spread out. There's, because the depopulation of the countryside, there is accommodation available in the villages. But of course, trying to get a woman with two or three small children to come into the city by bus, <laughs> two buses a day to get food or 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 see a doctor or, or, or whatever, you know, the logistics are just horrible. Um, so that's one of the issues. So the, the two issues, and Dave's alluded to and, both. And I, I, think, I, I think, I, I think the, 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 just to pick up on that, I think the, the, we mustn't miss the car hire situation because the reason why we're doing what we're doing is that the cost yeah. of that, so they're hugely dependent on volunteers, but volunteers are peripatetic. You know, they're, they're taking a couple of weeks out of their lives and then they're moving on somewhere mm -hmm. else. They need somebody on the ground full time to organize yeah. and to train and to support these. And those people need paying. And while they're hiring cars, they can't afford to do that. Exactly yes. right. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel like you've alluded to it a little bit, but what exactly are you doing next to help these refugees living in Moldova? So, uh, so I'm going to answer that. I'm going to say very briefly what we are doing, and then I'm going to say what we want or what we would like. And let's just be brittle about it. The, the need is massive. So we're right now in negotiations to buy a car for Moldova for Peace. And, and it's a ex-communist country. The bureaucracy is horrendous, but we're going to do that. Um, and and actually, that's coming from the the, the that money is coming directly from the financial planning community. The second thing we're doing is uh, Phil and Shannon and my wife Gail and I are going out there weekend after next, been a long weekend, going to do a bit of that volunteering, driving people around, but spending a bit of money in the place, uh, you know, taking mm -hmm. these guys out for a beer mm -hmm. and just making sure that they know they're appreciated and loved. Oh. What we need, and we've, the list is frightening, and it speaks completely to what Phil has just been saying. The people that are left behind are the most vulnerable. They're either old and feeble, 
possibly injured or they're young with so small kids they can't travel so they need mobility aids they need wheelchairs they need crutches they need zimmer frames they need adult uh, adult diapers they need children's diapers they need children's clothes all that sort of stuff and see the mobility they can't get them now we are trying very hard and and, i don't know about uh, you but you go into a skip site here and you see them full of them but then yeah. well, we've, now, we've now started going and asking people, uh, they're already going to Ukraine, which is fine as long as they're being used. But we're trying to locate a supply of stuff that is going to waste. Now, it'll have to, we'll have to say it's being used for parts uh, because there's all sorts of insurance and, 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 and issues connected with it. But if anybody knows supply, you know, I, one, of the, one of the places that does seem to have them is care homes. Uh, mm. people go in there they die and uh, you, know, mm-hmm. you know it's very sad but listen that's what happens mm-hmm. and these they're left they're left these things with with shed loads of them and don't know what to do with them we take them um and the second thing is 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 money um not for us we're paying for all of us out of our own pockets um it's money to support the dignity centers to support what yeah. they're doing um and i so there i have i have it's not it isn't a charity because it's just we can't be bothered well, there's two reasons because it, we haven't set up a charity because, number one, it takes too long. My conversation with a solicitor, it's another charity, yeah. two years to set up a charity. Because secondly, yeah. if we do that, we're limited, we're restricted in what we can do. We have to make all sorts of returns, whereas now we can decide, you know what, we're supporting that and we can yeah. just do it. Uh, and people, uh, you said about us being well connected, and and you know that may be so, but I think people do trust Phil and, and Shannon and I to uh, Phil and Shannon and me to to do what's right and what's best. Yeah. So those are the things we need. They're, they're it. I, I, I'll send it to you. Uh, I'll send you the link after the call, um, the two of you, and you can put it somewhere for if people want. If people want, still want to help with cash, please do. Uh, certainly the. Uh, refugee support you can claim your tax <laughs> yeah, yeah. support is a uk charity you can claim your and, tax and, and really. gift gift aid gift aid <laughs> if, that's, if that's but basically help i think is is really what we're saying and in addition to the mobility aids you know they're asking us for help with uh teaching english as a foreign language uh, uh, right. literacy aids um, speaking to your local libraries are they retiring books that are helping with adult literacy because we've managed to secure uh, I think it's now been confirmed but we could potentially get a container which is being paid for um, that would be delivered to Moldova with all these mobility aids anything with uh, you know we're, we're happy to take an extra suitcase with us next time we go to Kishinev and fill it with books, you know, or anything that people, if there's time, if you if you physically want to do something, Moldova would love you if you showed up and helped them drive. There's gonna be a car there because financial planners have put into this, you know, and put into this, and David's currently arranging the purchase of the car. Go volunteer, just drive for two days and go see what it's, it, it's a lovely it's a lovely country and the wine's fabulous <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good recommendation from you mr Billingham. you know your wine <laughs> but if you if you're happy to put in time to help uh teaching english as a language conversational you know we could we we there are and that could be done remotely help. shannon that could be done remotely Exactly. Yeah, we yeah. could do that on iPads or Zooms. We've all learned yeah. to have Zoom calls with our clients. 
Yeah. Um, so we could potentially just the conversational stuff. People know how to make a cup of tea, but they might not know that the thing you stir it with is a teaspoon. You know, that, so yes. we could make very <laughs> practical changes. And a lot of the Ukrainian refugees that we're speaking to, well, I was a, a professor of economics. I was a this or I was a that, but they're struggling with the language. If we can equip them with language, they could change their stars as well. Okay. And I think that really matters. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely echo that. You know, we can locate uh, friends of ours teaching this a foreign language uh, remotely, Zoom, Skype, etc., from South Africa, for example. Um, and, and they're willing to help, but they need paying. They've got to eat as well. But, you know, they're, they're charging eight and ten dollars, twelve dollars an hour or, or whatever. So if somebody said, well, you know what, I wouldn't mind helping to teach a bunch of, of, of Ukrainians to learn English and I'll sponsor yeah. a program and, and, and give the money direct to, to them, you know, that, 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 that's fine. There's, yeah, you people can help make a difference. It's the... I know it's the cliche, but it's the starfish story about you know the boy trying to clear a beach or go clear the beach. There's all these starfish that are washed up on a beach, and somebody saying to to the girl, "Well, you know, you can't possibly make a difference." They're saying, "Well, yeah, but I've made a difference to that one." Uh, Phil, Shannon, David, it's such a powerful story, and hats yeah. off to you all for for what you've what you've done and what you are going to do, and and. The impact of this horrific war on the people of Ukraine is clearly catastrophic and help is urgently needed. So I just reach out to IFA magazine listeners today uh, to just encourage you to dig deep and, and help these guys too in their mission and the support. They clearly know where this money can be most effectively used. And so if you if you can help and support, then that money will be going to a very, very good cause. Thank you. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary, legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.